New Street X is a podcast where we talk to the most interesting people in the collectible space across sneakers, sports, trading cards, NFTs, fashion, art, and more. On today's podcast, we have Kayla Kilbride, a content creator and educator who has been described as the girl who can turn your professor's 60-minute finance lecture into a 60-second video. Kayla creates TikToks teaching her massive audience about topics like financial literacy and NFTs. She's part of the live media platform Tasty Trade, where she teaches people about options and is also co-founder of The Drop, a newsletter covering projects in the NFT space. Listen to Kayla and learn about how her accessible educational content can help onboard all different types of people into financial literacy and NFTs. Totally. Yeah, you absolutely nailed it. Um, so just a little background, I'll rewind to to explain like how, who I am and what I do. Um, yes, I can turn a 60 minute lecture into a 60 second TikTok. Um, but that came from uh, me coming from a place of not having any financial knowledge at all whatsoever. So um, a little background on myself is I didn't save my first dollar until I was planning a wedding. <laughs> so wow. I literally was like in my 20s. Uh, I actually got married at like 20, it was either 21 or 22. And that was the first time that I ever saved a dollar. So I'm like not a financial guru. And then by the time I turned 24, it was the first time that I ever invested. And as I started learning investing, um, it was just the most painful concepts that I've ever encountered where every single concept that you would want to learn had a definition that required you to learn a different concept before you could understand the first. Um, so, sorry, go ahead. Were you going to yeah, say something? I, I feel like most people, when they find themselves in a situation where there's like a challenge or the situation mm -hmm. requires a lot of work, um, they're not sure what to do. But it seems like the path you took was to like, was it to teach yourself or figure out a way that yep. made learning easier for you? Yep, exactly. So um, on TikTok for a while, people would be like, thank you for teaching me this. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. We're just publicly learning together. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm learning, you're learning. I would be on like lives with people. Like on TikTok, you can view people's live streams and I jump onto some and people would just have like answers right off the bat. So I was like, when I got permission to go live for the first time, people would ask like, you know, what's an IRA? What's the difference between traditional and Roth and things like that? And I was like, just give me two seconds, we're going to Google this together because wow. I have no idea. So uh, that's why I'm like very firm. And, and I've been doing this actually. I'm so, so grateful. Um, I just came up on my one year mark of um, being on TikTok and like learning this stuff publicly. So I feel like I've learned a lot along the way and those conversations have become much more normal. And I actually feel like I'm to the point where I can probably explain some things without having to Google it. Um, but I, I, definitely have a heart and resonate with people who are like, can you dumb that down for me, please? And I'm like, oh, I'll do it for myself. Why are you saying it's for you? This is for both of us. <laughs> so, so how did that first begin? Like, so you were like trying to figure out how you become more financially literate. Did you yeah. like start reading some books and then, and then how did TikTok come in? Because I mean, TikTok obviously is huge, yeah. but were you a big TikTok fan? And then you decided, how about I start creating TikToks? How did that come in? No. So I was actually working a job that I was basically working like 80, you know, like six, between 60 and 80 hours a week. Um, and this is all during the pandemic. Um, and so I remember going very rarely, occasionally like seeing my sisters and my sisters are younger than I have one older sister, but two younger sisters. And they were both on TikTok. And I remember one of my sisters was like, check this video. And I just got like 3000 views on it. And coming from Instagram, I was like, I'm sorry, how many views did you get? How did you do that? that's crazy. And so, uh, I was like, what a weird platform. And then I completely ignored it for months. So that was probably back in like 
March, April, May. And I didn't touch TikTok really until like November. So uh, did I read any books? No, I didn't. I'm not a huge book reader. I do everything like online through YouTube videos. I do like reading online, um, but I very rarely pick up books, which is controversial to most people who like to remain in the educational space. They're like very much so book readers. Um, but everything I've learned has just been self-taught because when I first started learning about, I, I was actually, I had left the job that I was working mid pandemic and um, ended up living off of my savings account for uh, from July until about January of this past year. Just like living, so J July of 2020 to January 2021 was just like living off, basically running a savings account into the ground. And yeah. I was like, I need to find a way to not blow every single penny that I have worked for. And I knew one of the ways to do that was from what everyone was talking about, which was investing. But as soon as I entered the space, it was like, well, are you bullish or bearish? And I was like, nobody knows what animals you're talking about or why you're referring. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Um, and so I, that's why I got on TikTok is because the video format I thought would be kind of funny. And so I do have a background in improv and, and in acting a little bit. And so I was like, this will be so fun. I know the app that my little siblings were talking about and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure this out. But only for the sake of like learning. It was for the sake of like me figuring it out. Well, can I just say, Kayla, like that, that's a big decision. So you quit your job, you're living off your savings. And was your plan then that, hey, I'm going to be like a TikTok creator or I'm going to be like an investor? Because I mean, mm -hmm. like, you, you sounded very blasé, but like this is a big deal. A lot of people would be really scared to do that. Yeah. No. So I actually, it was probably a bit of an unfortunate story. I was on like the brink of a mental breakdown. Oh, um, and no, that's okay. <laughs> I, it's good to recognize it. So like I recognized if I, if I continued the lifestyle I was living, I was not going to make it. And so I was like, I need to, uh, just get some things straight, get some things right, take some time off. And so I just made like a leap. Like I just did, I just left, you know, I just did my thing and I was like, I need to do what's right for me in this time. And I figured like, Oh, it's, I've never had an issue getting a job. I'm, you know, an educated and adult, even though I didn't know anything about finances. Like I knew my, I knew budget. Like I was always smart with my money for the most part, but I never like invested. So uh, I started searching for jobs during the pandemic and I was like, oh, nobody's hiring. Everyone's firing. Literally everyone was like, even uh, I was like, forget it that I'm just going to go work at Starbucks. And even Starbucks was like, sorry, we're actually letting go of most of our, like I, I got to the point where I was like, oh, I'm never going to find another job again because nobody was hiring for like, during the pandemic. Um, and so that's why I, it wasn't like, okay, now I'm going to go pursue TikTok. It got to the point where come November, um, when November came around, uh, and I was about six months out of a job. Um, I just was like, I need to do something to keep my brain active and to keep learning. And so that's, I didn't, I, I didn't even know people made money on TikTok or like, I didn't know content creating was like a source of, you know, people were like making a living off of it. So I just got on to have conversations with other 20-ish year olds. And, um, uh, and then I realized, oh my gosh, I can make a career out of this. Yeah. That, that's like so serendipitous, Kayla. Like that's, that's I know. <laughs> I, wasn't, I, thought, I thought the way to first describe it is like you had this like goal to be a content creator, but no, it just kind of happened. And uh, unfortunately, I mean, like, the hardship seems to have led to a great situation now. And and maybe just for, for the audience, now you are a full-time content creator and that's like what you do full-time and, and how, how just to, just to understand how far you've come. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fortunate. So, uh, and I actually, uh, I guess I should rewind for a quick second. 
my dad over the pan course of the pandemic actually did he talked about stocks on youtube uh, and so, and I knew that he made his living like a decent amount of money off of YouTube. Um, so that, so just to backtrack, there was a point where I realized, okay, people are making money on social media. Um, so when I got into it, I just didn't think it was enough it, unless you were selling courses or something. I didn't, and I was like, I'm never going to be the person that sells a course. Like all of this information is free. I don't know. Just like all these things that go through my mind. Um, so when I got into it, yeah, I, within a couple of weeks, I actually had a couple companies reach out asking if I could do ads for them. And, um, that's kind of when I, and I actually had found a part-time job at that time, like literally the week that my TikTok started doing okay. <laughs> uh, and like companies started reaching out, actually like Robinhood was one of the first companies that reached out to me, um, and asked to like contract me for a period of time. And then um, at that same time, I got a part-time job and my husband was like, Kayla, take stability. Like we have no idea what social, like we have no idea how much money you can make on social media. Just choose, choose stability, get this job with the company that we were familiar with. And I started working. And then shortly after I was like, I have so much more fun doing this stuff, you know, like doing TikTok. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I've worked really hard at it since being in it, but I uh, have been really, so I'm really fortunate that I've been very selective for the most part with brands that I collaborate with. I'm not really a creator that has been very good at monetizing. I just so happen like Tasty Trade. I worked with them for like six months before uh, I accepted like a job with them. And so like now I work um, part time as a contractor for them as well. So um, yeah, it's been and Tasty Trade like taught me a lot of everything that I know. And so it's like to be able to work with companies that have supported my journey um, has been super, super cool. Also, sorry if that didn't totally answer the question. I might have totally. <laughs> like one, one thing I just love to dive into because I feel like so many people would, would just be fascinated by this idea, like maybe just very specifically. So let's say, yeah. so you were, you were like creating TikToks about yeah. financial concepts to teach yourself in a way. And then it suddenly yeah. started picking up steam. And then when a company like Robinhood reaches out to you, how does that work? They say, Hey, Kayla, like, we will work with you mm -hmm. on like a, a campaign or like you'll like talk about Robin Hood on your TikToks. Just like how, how does that work exactly? Yeah, there's a couple different avenues that this can go. So some companies do affiliate programs where it's like, hey, put an affiliate link in your bio and you'll get a portion of certain sales, right? Um, some companies do paid advertisements where it's just like we'll do a partnership where you do three videos for X amount of money per video or, you know, you can do longer contracts like, hey, we'll do three months and two videos a month, things like that. Um, sometimes you do like one-off things, but if it's a company that you really care about, you try not to do those one-off things. Um, and then sometimes companies will hire as a contractor. So where it's like, hey, we want you not just to do, you know, one-off videos for us or just to put a link in your bio. Uh, we'd actually like you to come, whether it be, I've had companies ask me if I would create um, and, and not even in the finance realm, like I've had music companies reach out and say, uh, we need help explaining basic terms to our musicians about certain things. Like it was like, so yeah, it was very random. They were amazing. They were, they were one of the nicest companies that I've talked to. And they're like the way that you can take a concept you don't understand, reformat it and then explain it another way. They're like, can you do that to our musicians? And I was like, wow. I don't think so. <laughs> I probably could, but I don't know if I want to. Uh, and so we just, you know, we've had those conversations with Tasty Trade, for example. Um, you know, I commit to um, some, 
tasks that they ask me. Like I, they're, they're a live network. So I jump on their live network and that's a, a contractor. And then of course, some companies might say, hey, we'd like to bring you on as an employee onto our marketing team um, or something like that. So there's a lot of opportunity in those spaces. Um, I know other creators who will be employed to write for yeah. you know, certain newsletters or things like that. That's part of what I do with the drop. I, I'm technically a co-founder of the drop. Um, and so I'm one of the writers and co-founders. And so, you know, that's more of a side hustle. I'm not. <laughs> well, so, so how did, how did the, the relationship evolve with tasty trade and the drop? Because it sounds like on top of like Kayla's TikTok, those are the two main like media brands that you're spending your time with. So how did that, those relationships come about? Uh, tasty trade came because the first video that I ever made that really went viral is what I would call So just under a million, it might actually have a million views at this point, which was exciting. Um, that video was on simplifying options and I compared it to shopping at Ulta and tasty trade is their full focus is how to teach options. Uh, and so they like immediately just reached out and were like, Hey, can we teach you some things? And I was like, yeah, you can teach me some things. Like, I thought that was so cool uh, that like, especially their CEO, Tom Sosnoff, who's like one of the greatest guys ever. Um, he was just like, he's like, I want to teach a couple TikTokers like how to trade the way we trade. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I'm getting free education from some of the smartest people in the world. <laughs> um, and so I just took that as an opportunity of like, it wasn't necessarily a paid opportunity. Um, I just jumped on for the sake of learning and it turned into a partnership down the road. Um, and then with the drop, um, Gannon, the founder of the drop and I had been in a group chat together with other content creators. Um, and it basically was just, uh, we just talk about all of the painful aspects of being a content creator and like some of the awful brand deals that we'll get or things like that. We'll just be like, here's here's the worst of this week. Um, and Gannon was like, hey, I noticed that you've been in NFTs. I think there's a gap in this space that needs to be filled for uh, education and awareness of um, uh, in NFTs, but also like bringing awareness to a lot of projects. Um, and so I was like, I'm in, I'm down, let's do this. So, so back in, I think either like January or February, I learned what an NFT was. Um, but I didn't understand quite like fully what they were. So I was like, the only way to understand it is to probably make one and understand like how to publish it and what happens. So I made this like small collection of NFTs. This is, this is probably where now understanding how NFTs work, I would go back and I would break yeah. everything that I've ever done. <laughs> but, uh, early when I first got into them, uh, I was like, because I was learning about them um, and actually dumb money on YouTube yes, a, a, a video on like how to make NFTs. So I was like, I'm just going to follow along with what they're doing. And I was like, but what could I possibly like, I'm not like an artist. And so I was like, what could I could like sell my avatar or like my, per, like my profile picture. I was like, I feel like that's the only identifying thing that I could think of. So I was like, okay, I'll try this. So I made these like, uh, basically slight variations of my profile picture. And then I also sold a couple of my TikTok videos. Um, and in the form of NFTs. In the form of NFTs, yeah. Wow. This um, is so cool. I didn't know yeah. this. I didn't really sold your NFTs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think I ended up on like, what is the, like Vcent where you can sell tweets. Um, okay. Yeah. So I, there was a period of time where I 
got into that and I actually, one of the buyers of my NFTs, um, he and I, he actually, I reached out. I was like, would you be willing to like jump on my TikTok and explain why you bought this? Because to be honest, I don't know why you bought this. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And, and, and you, you just like DM this person? Like, did you know yeah. who he or she was? Like, do you know, like, what was their, what, and what was their story in the end? Yeah. So, uh, his name's Naresh and he actually did jump onto my TikTok and, uh, we did like a whole video thing and he's like, um, I just see a lot of potential in you as a creator. And this is the first NFT that you're ever creating. Um, and it wasn't, um, he did, he's like, I felt kind of weird buying your profile picture. So I I bought your TikTok video instead. Cause I didn't want to like, seem like weird. Um, and I was like, that's totally fair. I thought it was weird that I was selling my profile picture. <laughs> um, and so he's like, but I, you know, I liked your video. The, the video that I turned into an NFT was me explaining what an NFT was. So and so I knew it conceptually, but I didn't understand it. So him and I had like an hour long conversation. Him and I keep up to this day. Like he's amazing. He's just like, he's in tech. He's been in crypto for a very, very long time. He bought Ethereum at $12 or $11. Okay. So he's like one of those guys. <laughs> he's like, I wish I bought more. <laughs> um, but overall, it was just like a, a really good conversation that helped me understand why people were interested in these things. Even yeah. if I didn't fully understand it. I understood there were people behind it. Yeah. So well, then, and, and sorry, just one, just one thing on that. It's like yeah. one of the things I picked up is that he invested in he, he he buying the buying the NFT for him was the way for him to invest in you because he believed in you as a creator. Yes, and and that was without even you know how like some smart contracts can have like royalties built in if you like support like an artist right. or a create like right. a musician whatever. So you, so it's like the concept, which is one of the primary concepts, my opinion, about NFTs is to like support someone who's a creator in the broadest sense of the word, word you, you, you've seen that firsthand, someone trying to support you and take a leap of faith in doing this for you, which is inspiring. Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And so I was really fortunate. I was able to utilize, um, some of the Ethereum that I bet that I got from those sales. Um, and I don't remember what month it was in, but a, sh a few months after, um, I made a potato collection. I'll show, I'll show you. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I just was like, what happened is I saw that there was like this hype, all tons of hype around these profile pick NFTs. Of course, of course, and I was like, I have to be honest. I think these profile pick NFTs is a bubble. I think this is ridiculous. Market. A lot of them for sure are. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, and so I create, I spent one night making a, a meme post and I created, and I created this one. Let's see if I can find it. Were there like 10,000 potatoes with like varying, like, <laughs> if only, if only I would have thought through that. So this is what the potato looks like. Oh, that's, that's a pretty like cute potato right there. Okay. It's a, okay. They're called pretty potatoes. <laughs> okay. okay. How about, so how many are, and there were like all like the same type or unique variations? Like how many were there? So I made one as a meme and I was like, nobody, nobody ever, me, OMFG, I'm about to get so rich off this potato. Okay. Uh, or it was like, not me. It was like people in the NFT space or whatever. And, and someone was like, where's this minted? What collection is this from? And I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So I also work with high school students that come from uh, very low income families, um, like very low income families. And so I was like, I, I, I'm not someone who has cared much about 
as a, for someone in the finance space, I'm not someone who cares as much about money as most people do. Um, I actually, every time I take like an opportunity for an ad deal, I like throw up three times. (laughs) (laughs) I hate shilling stuff. I do it very few and far between unless they're like really good opportunities. Um, and I do probably way too much research and if anything ever bites me in the butt, I'm screwed, but whatever. Um, I I just hate when people are like, oh, you're shilling me stuff. I'm like, this is literally how I make an income. So yeah, the collection is basically like, I just created... Uh, there's only 67 of them and all of the, the reason why I said that I get so sick with like cash grabs and things like that, or even like being perceived that way, um, as I was like, even with the NFT thing, I was like, I'll never be able to just like sell these and keep the money. So I basically created like a small organization where all of the funds, there's actually, uh, we brought in about, uh, it started at four ETH, but I've contributed to the account and brought it to it about five ETH. Um, for there's seven high school girls that, uh, that Ethereum will go towards and just basically help them fund, whether it be like college for them or business ideas or them being entrepreneurs or doing whatever, like they could help their mom pay off debt. Like it doesn't matter, you know, to me, as long as they're being supported. So that's what that project went to. And then after that is when I got in contact with Leon. He helped me with my first mint and I realized oh shit, I've done everything wrong. (laughs) And after that experience, I like loved, I got like addicted to like minting and like exploring the NFT space. And then that's when Ganon reached out to me and was like, I know you're in this space. Do you want to write with me? And it sounds like this all happened within like in the last year in 2021, right? You, you, you first, if I, if I heard correctly, you first started getting into NFTs in January. And then over the course of the next few months, that's when you created NFTs of your TikTok videos, of your profile pic, then the potato yeah. project, and then NFT drop, the, the drop. And so mm-hmm. how long has the drop been going on and, and how long have you been part of that? So the idea was developed at the very end of September. Okay. Um, and then we really started the project uh, the, like the first week of October. Okay. Um, so it's been October, November, two, two and a half months. And it's... Uh, it's done well. We've actually been able to collaborate with like a lot of NFT. Like there's the space is a very interesting space. I feel like the longer I'm in it, the more I'm like, okay, we're going to have to get this straightened out pretty soon of like, because one of the things is just like, how do you find projects that actually have like, really what's the purpose of NFTs? Like, and and that's something maybe that I just deal with where everyone's like, oh, we're just doing this for funsies, you know, Uh, which I'm totally cool with. I'm like, oh my gosh, have so much fun. But then I'm looking like what happens 10 years down the line when 99.9999% of these projects just, you know, fail um, and go to zero. And then a very, very few select ones will probably quite literally change the world. Um, And I don't even know if we've seen any of those yet. All you're saying right now is kind of making me ask a few questions that I'd love to get your opinion yeah. on. Like one, yeah. how, I mean, maybe we could do the first question we could do now and it's questions two and three, I'll preview, but we could talk about them later. So question one, yeah. it's like, how does the drop decide what to cover when it comes to NFTs um, mm-hmm. and like vet them? But the second and third question, which maybe we could talk about later is like two, like what's your take on the NFT space? Because clearly you've been deep in it for a while and you have opinions about the good, the bad, the TBD. And then also let's mm-hmm. ask, ask your opinions about like some specific projects that we could highlight, like maybe for better or worse too. So, but maybe for now, like, so how does it drop specifically? How yeah. do y'all figure out what to cover? Because there's so many projects, seems like there's more every single day. 
you know, not all of them are legit, let's be honest. So how do you figure out mm -hmm. and decide what your actual goals are with the content? Yeah. So it's a mixture of things. Um, the When we first started, it was just obviously organically, whatever we stumbled across doing our due diligence and research. Um, and so we uh, do a lot of just basically <laughs> Von Doom, who's on our team, is yeah. like heavy in the space where he knows all of the projects that are like coming through. Um, and then, so one way is just organically. Um, another way is companies will reach out and ask for marketing. Um, we do charge for marketing. So if they want access to our subscribers, um, then of course that comes with a uh, cost. Uh, if they just are like, Hey, will you, will you market our project? And I would say we get, um, a couple dozen, well, I actually, I won't be able to perfectly pinpoint it, but we get, um, a ridiculous amount of DMs and, uh, we also translate our DMs into a submission form so people can submit like, Hey, I want marketing. Will you look through our project? Um, and it's like a seven minute form that they have to fill out. So it's not an easy form to finish, but it, you know, they can get through it. Um, and once they get through it, then we filter through and maybe if, you know, out of every 20 to 30 projects that reach out to us, um, we'll find three or so that are actually, uh, that meet like our criteria or our standard. Um, one thing that we have realized is some, you know, of course there, um, are some projects that people just want awareness of that like might not meet our criteria, for example. So some of our criteria is like, we want to be able to get on the phone with the creators. Some creators won't dox themselves. They just won't. And so I'm like, that to me is a little sketchy. I understand why some people would want to do that. Um, but for me, I'm like, one of those things is we want to make sure the project's legit. Um, we look for really good art. So if there have been projects where we're like, we love your roadmap. We, we love your creators. We love the charities that you're donating to. But your art isn't great. And that's something that's meaningful to us. Um, and then, uh, of course, we look for anything to keep the community engaged. So we do look for those roadmaps. We look for scarcity. Um, so we definitely don't want projects that are selling like 26,000 <laughs> or like 100,000. I think like there's one, I know, was it AMC or I think it was AMC. They were like, and we're, oh, Matrix. One of them is selling like 108,000 of uh, six different NFTs. And I'm like, so you're just creating six and then selling 108,000 of them. And I was like, I'm not a fan of that, but that's fine. <laughs> well, pe people need your assessment and the team's assessment to know like mm -hmm. what they should be figuring out or not. Because like, I mean, yeah. you've been part of this journey of like NFT financial literacy for a while now, but let's say I'm completely out of the space. I've heard right. about NFTs. Suddenly I stumble in and I hear about, oh, cool. What's this matrix thing right here? Or what's this project that right. you need? People in general need things like the drop and like New Street to figure out what should they be spending their time on to, to, totally. to not get taken advantage of because I mean, the world can be complicated. Yeah. And honestly, that's one of the biggest things where it's like, how do you know where to focus your energy to? Especially when there's like, well, I'll be honest, we have missed big projects and you're like, how did I miss? Like, how did we miss that? You know, um, I remember doodles, like for us, it came out of nowhere and I was like, oh, how did we miss this? <laughs> you know what I mean? Which also goes to show how crazy fast things are moving. And even if like the, the team that you have is insiders or at least like experts to, to some degree, yeah, not everybody can just be completely aware about what's going on in the space because it's moving totally. so quickly. There's so much going on. Totally. And I think that's actually why as well, um, if we organically stumble across a project, we never charge them for marketing. 
Um, like if they've done their dude, like if they've done their part on, wow, we actually came across this. Um, a lot of the times we're like, if, if we are aware of a project, we'll talk about it, whether it's, um, it, it's very, it's not very many projects that we, uh, will charge for. Um, so it's, it's nice to be able to have like a stream of income when you're putting so much work into something like this is probably one of the most time consuming start. I, I mean, mm. you know, you, you know, <laughs> Well, um, clearly you have a passion for all this stuff and it sounds like the, the drop is doing great i mean i'd love to know like kayla i know you talked about this right before at the start recording but yeah i mean i i understand now the story about how you got into this let's say because of covid or during that right. time period but maybe from like earlier in your life were there certain things that led to you caring about these topics like financial literacy and that naturally bled into like cryptos and nfts it sounds like when we were talking like some things that you did when you were at school and afterwards kind of helped shape your world yeah. why, why you care about these things right yeah totally so um and i yeah we talked about this beforehand but i'll i'll say it again um yeah. uh i I'm trying to so I, I grew up in a family of like entrepreneurs. I grew up in a church. So there were always just like a handful of things that were like ingrained in me um, as like a young kid where it was like, be generous, be kind, be loving, you know, work hard, uh, you know, and, and budget, <laughs> you know, just like certain like random things. Um, and so I grew up with all of those things kind of established at the back of my brain. And then when I graduated from high school, um, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go to college. My dad raised me, he's like, be an entrepreneur, don't go to college. Um, he's like, I don't, I don't believe in college. Yeah. And he's a business teacher at a high school. So the I, only I say, like most parents do like that does not fit the mold of most parents. Like, of no, course, absolutely not. Yeah. He, uh, he's like, I got my degree to tell you that you don't need one. And, uh, so literally like I, I just told myself, I was like, okay, I'll never go to college. And, um, I took a year off. I actually ended up traveling. Um, and during that year of traveling, I ended up in Asia, um, doing some relief work in Nepal after like a pretty major earthquake. And while I was there, um, I met a woman who was a nurse and I was like, oh, I've always wanted to be a nurse or I've always thought about it or whatever, you know, like that. And she's like, well, everyone, the house that we were living in, everyone got sick. We all were like terribly, terribly sick in the couple of weeks that we were there. And she's like, I'll show you how to put an IV into someone's arm and to get them like the nutrients that they need, for example. And so I, I sat there and I watched her put an IV into someone's arm and I passed out. And I was like, I will never be a nurse. And uh, she's like, it sounds like what you really want at the core of who you are is to help people. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, well, then maybe don't stick needles in people's arm, like maybe study sociology. And I was like, I don't know what sociology is at the time, literally no idea. And so I had applied for a, a for college, like for a four-year program. Um, and I got in, but I was like, I delayed, I deferred it because I was like, I'm not actually going to go to college. Um, but then after I talked to her about that, I was like, I'm going to pick it up. So I called the university and I was like, I'd like to, you know, basically I'd like to start fall 2020 or sorry, fall 2015. Um, definitely not 2020. That would yeah. be nice. <laughs> and, uh, I went and I studied sociology for four years, um, and just focused specifically my, my senior thesis was on homelessness and trying to figure out like what, uh, how you can live in one of the most successful countries in the world. Um, you can live 
you know, the Ameri trying to achieve the American dream and yet there are so many people on the streets and like what causes that? And so, and what mental, like, is it a mentality thing? Like what, what is this sort of thing? So, um, I won't get into like what the depth of my research was, but basically I realized a lot of it comes to lack of, uh, like lack of men, like mentality that there are ways to succeed in life. Um, and, uh, so after graduating from college, stumbled into, again, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, like just a random job that depleted my energy. And I realized I wasn't doing anything that I wanted to do. And when I left that job and stumbled into finance, that's when I was like, oh my gosh, this is so closely related to what I actually want to do when women specifically, because my following on TikTok at the very beginning was like basically 80% female, 20% male, just like all the women were like, I feel so comfortable in this space with you, you know? And I was like, I'm so glad because you're not alone. Like it definitely is an uncomfy space. And so I'm really grateful for like how that background has sort of found its way to be fitting, um, in the world that I live now, but I don't think this is the world that I'll stay in for the rest of my life. Like I'll probably go back to some sort of like nonprofit type work by the end of my life or hopefully by like in the next 10 years. <laughs> well, it sounds like what you're doing now is incredibly fulfilling and what you've, your, your, your past has led you to this moment and what you're doing is at least in many ways what your mission should be. I mean, do you consider yourself like, like an educator first and foremost or entertainer or I guess and maybe it's a mixture of those things because I think another thing too is mm. that like education, you know, there's a difference in you getting out a textbook and teaching someone saying, hey, recite this versus Right. TikTok, which is a, a medium that is so much more relatable and engaging, like by design. Totally. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that the medium of video, like the format, uh, the video format, or even just like short form, even like newsletters, things like that, yeah. where it's just to be able to bring a concept that for some reason people just make it so drawn out and it's like just way too elaborate where I'm like, just get people the basics, and then if they have more questions, let's go from there. You know, I don't know. Yeah. No. It, it, so you're you're clearly like at the forefront of, you know, there's there's a lot of buzzwords around like the creator economy or like new mm. media in general, and and social what social media and what content creation means in, in 2021. Um, so I mean, you're at the intersection of TikTok, newsletters, uh, NFTs, mm. crypto. You're, mm. you're really at like the forefront of what a content creator is these days. I mean. How do, how do you see that world evolving? I mean, you're at the heart of it and what you're doing now, like, I know it's hard to predict the future, but what are some trends that you're seeing that, that like indicate where you think the space is going when it comes to, I guess, content creation and education? Mm. Well, it's tough being in the NFT space because I'm looking towards Web3. So I'm yeah. like, a lot of people are in the content creator space and are like, oh, how am I going to build my platform on this, you know, on like TikTok and on Instagram and um, and part of me is like, be careful, don't like build that up too much because it's going to yeah. die. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. well, how do you balance that then? Because you, you, again, like you're, you're not just a web two person, you're very right. aware of web three, but right. maybe the average TikToker is, isn't, doesn't, doesn't even know necessarily what that means for them in the future. Yeah, no, exactly. Part of me is like, um, the, the, I think it's, it's actually really tough to answer this question because I don't think anyone under, I, I say the word metaverse to you. There's yeah. no way that your idea of the metaverse is the same as my idea of the metaverse. Mm -hmm. It's so different. And the reality is like, 
I don't think either of us will be correct completely. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, um, is it going to be my version, which is like a very poor, like version of life as a Wii character in club, like Club Penguin? Like, <laughs> like is that what it's going to be? Um, I hope not. I hope I'm not like a just a butchered Wii version of myself. Um, but I just think through like if I can move forward as a content creator in a space that um, I've talked about this before and I don't really know if content will go this way and this is just like one aspect for example for someone like myself uh, where it would be like through DAOs and issuing tokens where content creators on certain platform can actually like certain platforms can actually have ownership like legit ownership of their platforms Um, like how nice would it be to be where like if I uh, create certain levels of engagement on TikTok, I receive the tick token. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. that's actually good. I should coin that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> TikTok. Yeah. Tick token, uh, and like based on my level of like, uh, based on what I offer TikTok, who I'm bringing to TikTok, the engagement that I'm bringing, the time that people are spending, I'm actually getting properly compensated for it. Which, um, you know, people like. Instagram and YouTube and TikTok are all trying it with their creator economies where they're issuing, uh, you know, payments in, in very small forms based on sponsors. Like it's, it's all like a very complex system. I feel like behind the scenes. Um, so I don't know to answer your question, my brain just hurts thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just I trying to pay attention. I completely get, I mean, I don't know if I don't know if you know this, but I used to, I used to work at Facebook, Instagram for like five years. So I know. No way. Meta. Like the ad, sorry, 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 sorry. Meta. <laughs> but, and I was on the ad sales team. I was basically selling mm. Facebook, Instagram advertising to big brands like P&G and Unilever and stuff. And that model is very deeply ingrained in these companies, right? Like right. I mean, just because Facebook changes its name to Meta doesn't mean that like all my former colleagues as great people as they are, will suddenly be on board with the principles of Web3 that like we're hinting at here. Now, yeah. the solution is, uh, actually not necessarily I know the solution, but right. one the future options are, what is the next generation's version of a TikTok or a Facebook or an Instagram? Because as powerful right. as these companies are right now, I don't think that they'll be around forever, which I think is pretty reasonable to think. And right. how will new generations of companies that are built in the Web3 era have different business models and incentive models? Uh, there are companies mm. that are experimenting with this right now, and you can think about like, I mean, we don't have to go through like a bunch of different projects that are like hinting at that, but there's many ways that models can be changed. And actually, of course, one of them is through NFTs, right? Like we were talking about earlier, yeah. you you were compensated by that guy who bought an NFT of your TikTok as a way to support you. Uh, now that was like a one-on-one interaction, but there are platforms that can be created that that focus on those kinds of interactions. I actually remember. Um, you know Blau, that the DJ, like um, Justin no. Freelau, uh, you, like he's this DJ. Uh. Okay, no worries. Okay, so like he is, so his DJ name is is it's spelt three, L A U, but it's pronounced, if I'm not mistaken, Blau, because oh. his full name is Justin Blau, and he was one of the first like uh, DJs to auction off NFTs. Um, I think to give people like some of his royalties, and he has this music startup called Royal which just raised like $50 million like two weeks ago, which is like an NFT music rights uh, startup. I forget the exact model. I think it's like he's like musicians can create NFTs that they sell to their uh, fans that give those fans like a percentage of the royalties received from songs, whatever the songs that they're, that they've tokenized the NFTs. Oh, wow. Um, 
Yeah, so that's that's like one example. But if you think about it, I mean, that's that's a newish company. They just raised like fifty million or something. But that kind of model is what the next generation should be when it comes to how creators are compensated. Creators, in the broadest sense of what that term is. Hundred percent. And I feel like there's a lot of uh, projects that are trying. I don't know if you've seen uh, Moonwalkers FM. That's no. one that I've been familiar with, but. It's basically, uh, they have like, they use, I think they use like Spotify and Apple Music, so they're not necessarily like full Web3 or anything. Um, but basically, if you own their, one of their NFTs, your NFT will be translated into a lo-fi song. And oh, cool. creator, so you'll have a lo-fi um, creator make the song, put it onto a Spotify playlist, and then any royalties to that song uh, the, that is associated with your NFT uh, part of it will go directly to the creator and part of it will go to the NFT holders. Um, and I, and this is like obviously a little bit different, but like in the space right in the music industry right now, you have so many um, producers just absolutely ripping off uh, art musicians. And they're, you know, mu- a lot of musicians are like basically in debt for years and years and years and will ba- rarely ever see their royalty checks. Um, and so it, it's, it's, it's really interesting to see people passionate in the NFT space of like how to get multiple parties involved in one specific, uh, mission. It's, it's been like, a, I mean, it was a cool project to write about. That's really cool. I mean, maybe this is a good time for me to ask, like, what are some projects? And I feel like there's probably so many here, but maybe just off the top of your head, like whether we're talking about like NFT avatar projects or projects like you mentioned, or maybe like think about like those metaverse worlds, like Sandbox, Decentraland, like. I'm not gonna. Yeah. Guide, I'm not gonna guide you to what I think you should talk about, but just like in the NFT space, which or like play, play to earn games. I'm just thinking there's like so many like variations here you could talk about. Like yeah. what what areas are you most interested in? Are there any projects that you you feel particularly passionate about? Yeah, totally. Um, I obviously am a little more interested in like uh, property related right yeah. now, um, just because it's like, and this is something that's new to me, so I'm like doing a little bit more research on it, but. Uh, anything where it's like, okay, do I want property in the metaverse or whatever, yeah, meta- yeah. What, a specific, a tiny little metaverse? Like, can there be like big M metaverse and little M metaverse? <laughs> Probably, yes. Probably, like, and everything in between. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I'm looking into that. Th- that gets me excited to think about, uh, like, I think someone just really, and I'm forgetting the name of it right now, uh, but they just released basically a version, a metaverse that's in space. Um, and so it's not like owning Ooh, land, like okay. Sandbox or Decentraland, but it's in outer space. And so I was like, oh, that's so fun. I love that so much. Um, so those things get me excited. And then, uh, and then create to earn projects have been okay. really fun to look at, especially cause I was a kid that was like raised on Club Penguin and uh, nobody else knows this except for like, I've met like two other people that know about, uh, virtual magic kingdom. Uh, uh Please, I, I don't think I know. Sorry. So I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people. So what is Virtual Magic Kingdom? Okay. Virtual Magic Kingdom was Disney. So I don't think Disney created it. Um, okay. But this was back when I was in like fifth, sixth grade. Like Disney created a metaverse before it was ever a thing. Um, okay. But basically what it was, was an entire internet Disney world or, or Disneyland Um, and you could go to different parks, ride certain rides, you could play games and earn, um, like tokens and coins. And then you could use all virtual, all virtual on like, on like a website, like on some sort of game you download. It was called vmk.com. Um, and again, I don't know if they created it, but whoever created it for sure got in contact with me because at one point, 
um, you could actually go into the park, so pay for admission to the park, and they'd have these VNK stands. And you'd go up and they'd give you a challenge, and then you'd run around the park and you'd complete the challenge and they would give you rare products. That like, if you completed the challenge, you would get golden Mickey ears that only people that went to the park and it completed these challenges. First of all, I don't know why Disney hasn't brought this back. I, I, how have I not heard of this? This seems like something that would like be written up in newspapers today if they came out with this. Like if, if Disney said tomorrow, here's our metaverse idea and just copied and pasted that, that's that's insane. I had no idea this was a thing. And it's actually oh very impressive that they did this like back in the day. It's hands down. Like the fact that they were doing this back in 20 who knows when, like I don't even, I can't, 20, 20, Oh, like 2005. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I have no idea. 2005. Uh, but in, I think it was like 2018, some coder, web developer, I don't know the phrase to use. Obviously, I'm new to this space. Recreated the entire thing. Literally rebuilt VMK. What, like, I think either one guy or a small team of like three, maybe, okay. just like rebuilt the whole thing and then Disney shut it down. And uh, so they, they spent, I, I would imagine, uh, a lot of time rebuilding this whole thing. And I played for like two days. Disney got wind of it and just shut it down. And so I, I hope they bring it back. Um, I would be the first in that metaverse. Well, well, I mean, if you think about metaverses, quote unquote, like the sandbox and stuff and like how Adidas has now had like plots of land there or like even think like a metaverse in the sense of like Roblox, right? Like brands like Nike and Gucci and Adidas are already experimenting with having these like in-game experiences um, where it's like Nike land on Roblox, right? So if you think about it, that VMK could be ironically like looking into the past as a harbinger of the future in terms of like, yes. why why wouldn't every brand have the sort of experience like that in every metaverse? It just becomes part of their marketing strategy at that point. And imagine walking, so this is something where I'm like, just imagine walking into Disneyland, being able to put on your virtual, like everyone will probably have virtual glasses at some point, and you can actually just so, like, like select while you're in this already fake world, like Disney World is just this like fake world built around you for your entertainment. <laughs> and then to be able to like engage in a, in the metaverse as well. And like they have, it's so, e it seems, at least it seems so easy. I don't know. Well, um, the Disney CEO and, and or CMO should talk to us because this is, <laughs> at the very least, let's send them this podcast, make sure it gets them because we should be uh, creating a, we could co-create a world together. You know, I mean, sounds like you're a big Disney fan. I'm, I'm an okay Disney fan, so we should make this happen. Oh my gosh, yeah. I guarantee you that it's already in the works. We just don't know about it. But I want to be like, Disney, I w I've been thinking about this for 10 years, just so you know. <laughs> on the project, obviously, yeah. Well, oh I mean, I, I see we're kind of running out of time here. I mean, yeah. do you have any other NFT projects or anything you want to give a shout out to? Or it's really like stuff that's caught your eye. And if and, and yeah, and after that, we can move on to like kind of closing um, the podcast. Um, I guess one right now that I'm really, really excited about is a creator, especially like in the line of like Club yeah. Penguin and yeah. VMK is Chill Chat. Have you been okay. able to connect with no. them? Chill oh, Chat. So chill Chat. Yeah. Uh, it's a create to earn. So they're going to have like 1500, um, Chill Chats origins released. Um, and they're basically all one of one, just little creatures. Um, and 
uh, once you get in, if you're one of the first 1500, you can enter the game, build your room and start creating other chill chats. And when you create those chill chats, they come with golden tickets for you to invite friends into the game. Um, but your friends have to purchase your creations, um, to get access to the game. So, uh, I'm like, oh, that's fun. Cause it's actually giving people who were of the first, um, you know, of, of have the origins and, and then once they get into the game they can start creating too um and so basically you just build this you know little game together and you get to create to earn and um I just I I'm excited about that one that one's one where I'm like I was able to connect with one of the creators and she's just like the most precious person I've ever talked to um <laughs> yeah she was so cool to, so I'm like I'm really excited uh for it but uh, we're talking, we're even, I actually am meaning to send a message back to her, but anyways, that's one that's like heavily on my mind. Cause it brings me back to my childhood. Got it. No, I will, I will look out for chill chat and that looks, that sounds amazing. Um, now Kayla, like, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time here. We usually close with two questions. We ask the guests in this case, you like one, where can we learn more about you? Like your shout out to your Twitter handle or and drop everything else you've got going on. And then two, any sort of like last words or messages you'd leave the audience? Yeah. Hmm. So to find me, I'm Kay Kilbride, K-A-Y-K-I-L, only one L, please, <laughs> bride, <laughs> um, on TikTok, Twitter. Uh, Instagram is more of like a personal thing. I rarely post finance stuff. I've tried, but it, I'm just like, I can't. Um, but yeah, Instagram as well. And then, of course, uh, I'm on Tasty Trade. Uh, dot com we do live network every day from 12 i'm there like 12 to 12 15 monday through friday uh pacific and then of course the drop nft um on twitter uh you guys can find our newsletter there as well yeah uh and then what i would leave with the audience uh when it comes to the nft space specifically to metaverse one thing that i have to keep reminding myself is uh, you're not just early right now, you're probably too early right now if you're in the space. <laughs> and so there's a, a lot that can be really overwhelming and confusing in the space right now because a lot of it's still completely undetermined. So don't feel like uh, you need to nail down the very next Web3 version of Amazon today. It probably doesn't exist yet. Um, yeah, so give it get some time. Give it some time if you feel overwhelmed by the space. Is my advice to myself. My myself. <laughs> Thanks for listening to New Street X. You can learn more about Kayla in the show notes and learn more about New Street at newstreet.com. Make sure to like, follow, and subscribe.